0: I'm Cindy Boxer, and you are listening to the Fiber Artist Podcast, where we chat with artists, makers, and creatives who work with fiber, get to know their stories, how they came upon their fiber practice, and more about the person behind the work. Well, I am finally back after a much longer break than I intended, really just milked the end of summer and spent some quality time with my boys. Um, I am just really excited to share this next guest with you. What an inspiring woman, creator of some of the plushiest and most fantastical hand-spun yarns on the market, the brains and beauty behind the wonderful yarn shop, Knit Collage. Amy Small. Amy is just the best. I hope you guys love this conversation as much as I did. And real quick, before we get into it, if you're new to the Fiber Artist Podcast, I also have a shop called Neroma Studio, and you can get 15% off your first purchase of any of the rope, yarn, fiber, looms, and accessories in my shop with the code the fiber Artist Podcast, all one word and spelled the American way with an E-R in fiber. Head to neromastudio.com and have some fun. Again, the code is The Fiber Artist Podcast. And without further ado, here is Amy Small of Knit Collage. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to get a chance to speak with you.
1: I am so happy to be here, Cindy. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Um, so, I mean, let's just kind of get right into it. Um I guess uh yeah, if you can just give me a little bit of background of um where you are right now and um what your current sort of situation is. Awesome. So
1: it's I see your beautiful macrame and I'm jealous because in my normal office I have like cool stuff in the background. <laughs> Apologies. This is I'm at my parents' house in Rhode Island for a couple of weeks for the summer, um, near the beach. And I've got like all my yarn and projects here. Oh, very me, beautiful! But in the background, it's not. Um, it's just working out of a bed. No, bedroom. I know
0: we're like deep in the summer break right now, yeah. so it's like I'm. I'm just it's happy. Kind of
1: survival mode. Do you it, feel like?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's survival mode, and I'm kind of like waiting for school to start again. I mean, I love the summer and I love being able to sleep in and stuff, but I really am looking forward to like the kids being in routine again. Yes. I yeah. totally
1: relate. at the same time, I feel like, oh, I love summer, also enjoy it, but it's just that it's hard with work,
0: it's um, really hard, yeah, yeah Wait, so so yeah, so tell me, so i I kind of already know a little bit, but tell the people, so I know you have kids and yeah. So
1: I have two kids. Um, they're three and five, two boys, and I'm based outside of Boston. I used to live right in the city, but a year ago we moved to the suburbs, nice. which has been really nice because instead of like this, my desk being right next to my bed, I actually have an office
0: space. <laughs> that is the best.
1: Which like has truly been life-changing, um, that one small thing. And I own and run a small business called Knit Collage, and at Knit Collage we make really unique hand spun yarns some of them aren't hand spun some of them are actually fabrics that are screen printed that we make into yarns but they all have some handmade touch to them so yeah. that's sort of what I do and then I work with a lot of different pattern designers who contribute in write knitting patterns with their yarns and crochet patterns I do some patterns um and that's that's pretty much in a nutshell. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, I mean that makes it sound very small. It's it's really this amazing amazing yarn company that you've built. Um, when did you get it started? And well, actually, let's go way back. I I have to assume that you have like some unknitting background. And how did this all kind of come about?
1: Yeah. So um, I bet I was like you as a kid. I was really crafty. Like I was bedazzling everything. Seed beads friendship bracelets. And, and when I was in high school, I made, you know, those hippie jeans with the
0: triangles. Yes. I was like about like the, the embellished bell bottoms. Oh yeah.
1: And yeah. it was when Lauren Hill, you know, had yes. like feather Gucci jeans and like, I was definitely trying to make my own version of those. Um, so I kind of always had in my mind, you know, I'd like to try something in fashion. And I was crafty, crafty kid, ended up going to school for fashion. I went to Cornell in oh, Ithaca, uh-huh. which has a super small fashion design department. And that was perfect for me because I was terrified I was going to change my mind. Mm. I kept thinking, well, what if I want to, I don't know what I want to do, but I was just second guessing myself. And I think art school made me really nervous that I would kind of have to stick to that decision. Yeah. Um, for a long time. So it ended up being a good fit. And So did
0: you go all the way through Cornell like with a fashion design degree and everything? Yes. Yeah. Amazing. I did
1: I ended up not changing. It's a cool program there because it's it's really small. I think there were only thirty people in my major. Wow. Um and it's the School of Human Ecology, which is it used to be home economics. And so it's a lot of throwback women's, you right. know, kind of Men's type, um, major. So there's human development, which was, I think somehow related to childcare. Um, there is interior design, which is now like design and environmental analysis. Mm-hmm. There's fashion design. Um, there's nutrition, which I think was more cooking. So it was, it was a cool, weird, you know, That's school cool to be fascinating.
0: In, but- <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't know that they had this program and it's really funny cause it, in one way, it sounds like this like old school way of doing everything and thinking about things, but I feel like n- now that we have so many like digital things in our hands, we we all kind of want to go back to these things, yeah. like the, really back are- to like our, our human um, sort of instincts yeah.
1: to, to yes. be creating
0: and nurturing and –
1: Yes, yeah. totally. And I think they've done a great job of bringing it into, making it relevant for right. modern times. Of course, there's tons of men that are in those majors as well. So it's open to everyone. But it was a really, like, you wouldn't think potentially that it would be a really creative school, but it was. I lived in an art program house where it was just all artists and it was a castle and everyone had different color hair. And, like, there was a photography studio and a theater. And it was a really, it was a good th- fit in a good place for me to be. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. So then I, I landed an internship at Free People, which is part of Urban Outfitters and Anthropology, um, my junior year of college. And they're based in Philadelphia, which is where I'm from. Okay. And while I was there, there was this one lady who I just became obsessed with she was a sweater designer and she never was in the office she was always in Asia and she finally came back to the office and I was like oh my god my brain has exploded you were the coolest person I'm gonna do anything I can do to like make your life easier and at Cornell I really only learned cut and sew fabrics okay. so design sewing that kind of thing nothing related to sweaters or knitting machines or anything like that um so I finished that internship and I took a knitting class at the local yarn store in Ithaca and that's how I learned to knit so like I I I do think college was important but sometimes I have moments of being like huh I don't know exactly Intangibles. (laughs) Intangibles. <laughs> right. Well,
0: it brought you to Ithaca and to that particular yarn shop where you learned yeah. something totally invaluable to what you're doing now.
1: So. Yes. And I'm sure there's great, like, you know, time management and multitasking that I was learning, and I don't know, other <laughs> things.
0: But, oh, I um, mean. I, anyway, college is college is for you know, like making friends, yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> making lifelong of, friends. You know, I had a lot of friends. Yeah, it was it was really good. Um, but I learned to knit, and they offered me a job my junior year, and I just jumped at it because at Free it, People
0: or at the oh at Free yeah, People,
1: yeah. To work for Mary, this sweater designer, and I just jumped at it because aesthetically, I think. I had grown up going to the original Urban Outfitters in in Philadelphia as like a 13-year-old. And that was when it was all Levi's. And it was just so cool and different.
0: It was awesome. Oh, do you remember it? Oh, uh, heck yeah. Like in the late 90s? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, that's so cool that you remember that. Oh, my God, yeah, yeah. It was really
0: cool then. And she was a
1: huge part of that um, as well. So when I started, we were designing sweaters for Urban Outfitters. And Free People, um, and she was an integral part of building Urban Outfitters to what it is today. But now mm-hmm. she does FP1. So if you go on the Free People website and you look up FP1, that's her own line. And then she also designs all the interiors of Free People stores and oh, the display. Cool. So if you want to have your mind go check out her. It's all hand carved furniture. Um, it's it's truly amazing. That's so, so awesome. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. She's p- played a huge part in how, where I am and today. And she's a really private person. So I try to get her on the podcast, but I just am like, I'm not going to push it.
0: <laughs> oh, let's um, get her on.
1: Oh, I know. She's so incredible. Um, so I started working for her and I really became obsessed with sweaters. I'd always liked sweaters, but just the idea that you could make your own fabric and then design your own thing. You weren't locked into a fabric. You could stripe the yarns in different colors. There's different stitches. Like I just got totally immersed and obsessed with it and loved working there. So I worked there for, Five and a half years, and about halfway through, I moved to Hong Kong with them. So oh, wow. I had been traveling a lot in in Asia, all throughout Asia, where we made the sweaters, and ended up convincing them I needed to move to Hong Kong. I think part of it was that I grew up in Philly, and I just was like, I need some adventure. Going to school for fashion was all women. Free people was all women. I was like, I kind of just need to like do something crazy. And they said, yes. And let me go. Wow! Um, so that was, it was really, I mean, it was incredible. And I met my husband there. So that was also really cool.
0: Um, oh my God. That's so amazing. Well, and also wait, so were you junior or senior at this point? Or you had, you worked there while you were?
1: Uh, no, sorry. So I went back, I interned my junior year and then I went back my senior year and they offered me a job that spring. So oh, I, I started in the summer. Um, my first day of work was actually in Hong Kong, and then oh I went God. to India. And this was before the recession, so I flew business class, which
0: I will never do ever again. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was like, "Where am I? What's going on here?"
0: Um, oh yeah, in business class to Asian. Not that I've taken uh, it, but is is like it's like a hundred times Catholic better Pacific. than business. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like Humble. what they show you on um on Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes. Uh, I don't think it was that nice. Like that, movie though. that was one of my favorite movies. It wasn't that nice because that's I think that's first class. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it was really nice. And business class tickets are very expensive. So yes. that I think that will be happening. Um it just where I would ever want to prioritize my finances. Right. But it collapsed. But um but yeah, I mean, it was just a really amazing, formative time in my life. I threw myself into work. I didn't have a life outside of work. I gave it my all. I was just absorbing everything, and it was so much fun. And I think I kind of have the personality that I tend to throw myself into things. And um, and then when I moved to Hong Kong, what was so cool is that I started to have a life outside of work, mm. and I made an amazing group of friends that were really... They were mostly English speakers, which is lame, I know. but No,
0: I mean, I feel like that's what no. you would gravitate toward when you're there.
1: It's easy because it was a British colony. Many yeah. people, even the Hong Kong people, all speak English pretty well. So it was a really easy place to get along. Yeah. And um, made friends from all over the world. And it was such a fun place because um, – it, it was such an interesting type of person that was attracted to go there. Like, they love to travel. You know, it, there were a lot of um, like extreme athletes. What would you, I don't know what you call that, but the type of people that do like ultra marathons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like
0: that. Well, I mean, you um, have to be a bit of a risk taker in general. I mean, and you were really young when I think about it. You were right like, out of college.
1: Yeah, I was 25 when I moved there.
0: Okay. Um, I mean, it's so brave. I don't know. Like, it's so brave to do that. I with, feel like when yeah. you're that age.
1: It really, I would encourage any young person to do it. Like, as much as I wouldn't want my kids to be away from me, you know, it was really formative. And it was the first time in my life I formed friendships with guys, really good best friend friendships. And I think that was really, on a personal level, important to me because I started to just act more like myself around guys who I'd always felt weird and awkward around, taught to be TMI. But um, I went to an all girls school for my whole life too. So th- I'm sure that added. Right, to that. right. Benefits in other ways, but I think socially, I always felt a little awkward. Um, I still probably am. Who am I kidding? But I,
0: I mean, I helped- think we kind of all are a little bit. We'll be, I mean. This is a whole other podcast, but like... no, I'm getting really personal. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I like want to talk about all of it. I'm just like, is she going to be wanting to talk about how funny it is to be around other genders? Like, yeah, because yes, yes. in a way, you're kind of like, eh, I don't know. They all sort of want to get in your pants, but then you have to figure out who's actually just a friend. And then, you know, the lines yes. get blurry. <laughs> yes. It, it
1: was a really fun place for, for that. And I don't know. It was the kind of place where you'd meet someone and you'd say... Oh, hey, you know, I'm Amy. I'm from Philly. Do you want to go on a hike tomorrow? Like you'd meet someone at a bar, at a coffee shop. And that was totally normal. That's awesome. And, and then I guess college is a little like that. Um, yeah. But, uh, but every other place I've lived since then has been far different. And yeah. it was just a really special time. And Hong Kong's quite small, so despite being very populated, it's actually like kind of like New York, small.
0: Right. right.
1: So, running people, and it was really fun. And I started training for um, my first marathon, and I really, I I loved having this other side of my life that was outside of work. Um, and I think in another life, I would be either yogi or like, I just, I could spend my days doing physical things. I just went for a run, which is why my hair is all up. Awesome.
0: <laughs> um,
1: yeah. So, and I think around this time I started to just burn out on fast fashion and mm-hmm. designing for fast fashion because you have to design so many things. Like I think we were designing for 16 deliveries a year. Wow. So a lot of sweaters to come up with. And it just, I think, wore me out a little bit. And so I decided to quit, but I decided to stay in Hong Kong, Mm. which um, I was, I just was loving being in Hong Kong. So I thought, I'll try this. At the time, I sort of, before I quit, had set up a few freelance jobs. So I ended up starting to freelance, freelancing for seven different companies, some American some Hong Kongese. So because they, a lot of Hong Kong and Chinese companies want the kind of Western design eye. right? So they saw that as valuable in a way. Oh, she kind of knows. I mean, I don't know if I did, but she somewhat maybe knows what's going on in America. (laughs) And so, um, and that was really cool because I got to set my own schedule. I had an assistant who helped me because it was so much work. And I set my own schedule and that's when knit collage sort of came into being is Ah. I could prioritize like working on this knit collage and, um, setting my own schedule, but having income coming in. Right. So um, that was kind of how it all came to be. Um, I guess if if I want to rewind probably about a year before I left, I started spinning and I learned how to spin. Oh, I was going to ask you
0: about that. Yes.
1: And so I learned how to spin yarn by this woman who is, she was kind of like the person who started art yarn and and spinning art yarn. So if people don't know what art yarns are, they have all these things spun into them. Like, I don't know if you can see this, but it's like little flowers and there's
0: metallic threads in there.
1: Just mine. Hers were like true art. She would never think of repeating the same one over again. Mm -hmm. It was like, this is a skein of yarn for $50. It's beautiful you might not even knit anything with it. It might just sit on your wall as like and it really each one really was art. Yeah. Um it was Lexi Bogar and she wrote the book The Handspun Re- Revolution. So I learned from her and I just couldn't shake it because it was just one of those things like maybe it was like this with you with weaving. It just like clicked. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. like now I can't do anything else. <laughs> and I'm obsessed, and I bought a spinning wheel and a Carter, which is how you mix all your fiber colors together. To it's kind of like water color painting, like or mixing paints, but mm-hmm. with fiber. So, okay, and they're really expensive, like the most expensive things I've ever bought. And then fiber, so it's not the type of craft you travel with
0: easily. Right. Wait, <laughs> so was this all in Hong Kong? You learned in Hong Kong, and she was based no, there. Was that? It was before I
1: moved. It was before I moved. <sighs> okay. I learned to spin. So a year or two. I don't know when exactly I learned to spin but it was going on in the background and when I moved to Hong Kong I definitely took my wheel and and everything and I was it was all percolating mm-hmm. like um the idea to start something was percolating and what I ended up doing is creating a line of yarn I created like I don't know eight or ten colorways of one yarn. I just called it the knit collage y- knit collage yarn at that time, and I emailed pictures of the yarn to yarn store owners. I think this was before Etsy. I mean, Etsy would have been great for this, but wow. I
0: think pre-Etsy. You know, the- what are we talking about? Like two thousand four? No, two thousand five. I don't, don't know. Two thousand
1: ten. Was Etsy then, and I just wasn't. Etsy aware. was there,
0: but I but I don't think it was. Um, so much in terms of supplies it was like finished made product uh, you know what i mean it was like yeah. just handmade products
1: that I, were not I in the
0: supplier realm
1: yeah i wasn't aware of that that was a channel for me probably would have helped
0: me <laughs> well no so that's what i mean i think they they only started doing supplies Whoa. later so gotcha. i think at so the it time even exactly like an
1: option um yeah for me yeah, so I I emailed um stores and one store wrote back and it happened to be Loop London. Susan Cropper is the owner and she was like, I'll take ten of each. And I was like, <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. And I was like, Oh my god, I can, you know, maybe I can do this. I had no idea how to make them on scale. You know, oh, yeah. So I how long did each shot.
0: how long does it take to spin like one skinny yarn? I don't know anything about spinning. So around,
1: around two hours it takes to spin okay. one. Um at least that's what it took me. Then the women I work with in India, it's less, it's, it's less, they are like machines. Now yeah. they're way better than I was. <laughs> um, and so what happened in Hong Kong is I, I actually had a studio office. I had a studio space. I, I shared with two other, um, people who had their own small businesses and I, recruited a few Hong Kong women and I taught them how to spin and we just sort of figured it out. And the other assistant for my design business helped me translate and it was really fun. And I learned the kinks of the process. I kind of learned how to, um, assembly line things, you know, to make the process go a little bit faster in some ways. And that's sort of how it all came to be. And then, Around this time, I had met my husband and my cousin, who's my best friend, got married here in Rhode Island. I came back mm. for a couple of weeks. I was a maid of honor to help her. And I was reaching like my five-year mark at Hong Kong. And I just was starting to feel like I'm ready to move home and be closer to my parents. Mm. And so I sort of told Trammell, I was like, I'm ready to move home now. <laughs> and he was like, okay, well, <laughs> but we weren't quite at that place where it was like, are we going to move places for each other? Right, 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 right. <laughs> it's a big, big life decisions. So he did end up moving oh, to wow. he got a job in Boston. And I moved into my parents' basement in Philadelphia for a while. And um, that's where I started to get some of the first shipments. And at this same – so I guess everything's happening all at once. Sorry, this is not super chronological. No, but- that's okay. When I decided I wanted to move back, I was thinking, where, you know, how can I do this on a bigger scale? Producing the yarn in Hong Kong was kind of like producing yarn in New York City or San Francisco. It was really expensive. And I knew I wanted an excuse to get back to India. I knew it was going to be a great fit for Mm. my product, too, just given all the things they have there and the resources and the materials. Um, So I started to think about how I could make this in India and I started to take trips there. And I went on Google University and (laughs) I was like, what? Like, you know, finding trying to find like potential people that would want to partner with me. And I did a lot of traveling around India and um
0: it was wild. Are there, are there like fair trade agencies that hook you up with, like, how did you even find your group for people who were doing yarn, who were like
1: interested in yarn or interested in setting something up with me. Um, and in the end, I, I partnered with a woman I worked with at free people. So, and that I think was key because one of the people that I went and saw when I was like trying to figure this out, they ended up like trying to copy my yarn mm. a year later. Mm. And I think having the trust of having worked with someone for a long time was really key.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: They've, they've never tried yeah. to, it's just been a good, um, trustworthy relationship from the beginning. And I'm not saying every place in India is, is like that at all, but I think having the background of I have experience working with this person. It it helped mm-hmm. and she knew yarn, she knew sweaters, she knew where to get fiber. Like she she had a background in it and she was really like just open she was like open to just like still to this day I'm like I can't believe you trusted me to like <laughs> this really crazy idea because there's like 100 components in the yarn. It's yeah. a lot of components, a lot of things. So um so yeah, we started. We basically just started it. I sent all these wheels to India and all these carters, and she helped me recruit the women. We have thirteen women in India that have been all except one or two working with us since two thousand and ten,
0: which okay. is wow, that's amazing.
1: Yes, so I started the business in late two thousand and nine, and. We moved it to India like right around November that year. Okay. And they started shipping out um, like in the spring.
0: So. so, how did that training process go with like onboarding your, your, like, and you had to teach how to spin. Yeah. This, as, like this very specific aesthetic of yarn. It was. <laughs>
1: lot of trial and error. It was a lot of yeah. sitting with them. Um Like how long did you there, stay there to do that? I, I would stay like two weeks, go, come back, come back. Um, and that was probably for a year that I did that. Wow. But it's all so foggy because this is so long ago. I should right. probably write, down, like, get the timeline straight. But um it was a lot of back and forth and just sitting with them. And then once one lady really got it, she became... Her name was Mira. She is now the quality control person Mm -hmm. for the whole team. She teaches anyone. We did hire a new person last year. She taught her. It's actually her daughter. So it was like she hired her. So I think once one person got it, like really got it. And at this time, there was still only one yarn. So it wasn't like there were different colorways of one yarn. So it wasn't a lot of different techniques. Um, So... So yeah, so once she was going, we were like pretty smooth sailing. But that said, I when I went back to Philly in my parents basement, I got some really messed up things at first.
0: Oh wow, couple- yeah really really
1: messed up um and i had to sit and fix all these they would like instead of putting knots around the skeins they were these huge tangles mm-hmm. that i had to like trim and make neat and i would just put on law and order svu <laughs> this was before podcast like you're actually like <laughs> learning something when you're doing your work i i just was watching svu and like fixing my shipments and getting them all shipped out
0: um and at this but, point, were you selling only wholesale to other yarn shops?
1: I was. I only sold okay. wholesale. And I I only sold wholesale till 2015. Oh wow. So I so it was all going pretty well. That is around the time I decided to move to Boston and be with my boyfriend. And we were like, okay, we think this is going to now husband like going to work out. And around that time is also when I moved to um, actually, I think I had a warehouse in Boston where I worked from for a year or two, and then I moved to the warehouse in Maryland um, okay. that handles all of our logistics, which has been hugely important and just making my life easier because I don't have to do the shipping. And right, right. So that's been really good. And also in Boston really expensive to just – I had like a container's worth of yarn
0: in this building. I was going to say even storage is just so expensive.
1: It just didn't make any sense. So I mean it's still a lot to do it down there, but it's really nice to not have – to have one thing off my plate and to feel with confidence that it's being taken care of really well.
0: Yeah. Um, So I'm curious. With each new yarn – that you develop are you developing them at home and you figure out like a colorway that you love 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 that you want to have produced and um produced in india so you're like how do you decide when when it's something's so ready fun. to be a new line
1: it's so much fun so um what i do it, yeah i do it at home okay. so and sometimes i'll do it in india too but i have i i have most of the ingredients they have there i have in at home Mm. and I lay everything out and then I make little piles of all the things that I think look nice together like these colors of fibers these trims um I might have like a Pinterest board you know of like inspirations and the inspiration could be anything could be macrame it could be modern art for you know a color combo or whatever um and then I usually make these little piles, then I sleep on it. Then the next day I start spinning and then I just tweak it from there and I come up with a recipe. So I make like an Excel recipe for the women and they'll make one sample. They'll send it to me. If the recipe needs tweaking to look more like my original, I'll tweak it and Mm -hmm. we'll go like that. So each one is hand spun and the recipe is the same, but because they're handmade they'll all look a little bit different. And like the Daisy yarn has, I don't know, like 50 trims in it. So that's all going to be a different order and a random, but, and a different, slightly different texture, but you can still completely knit with two skeins in a scarf and it Mm. won't look like two totally different yarns, if that makes sense. So, yeah, so I do design at home, um, but I have been traveling a lot more to India since my kids are older. And now I do design there too, which is a lot easier because what I'll do is I'll make those piles and I'll be like, Here you spin it, Mira. And they'll spin it and, you know, do a tiny sample for me and I'll be like, No, no, I don't like that. Let's add this. So it's really fa- it's a lot faster than all the back and forth and the packages wow. and
0: everything. So how much time are you spending now um when you do travel to India? Like
1: Usually per go year, twice I a year. Okay. Yeah, twice a year for about nine or ten days. I can't okay. stand to be away from my kids like longer than yeah, that. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's a long time.
1: I, I really want to take them, but I'm not sure when I will do that. They're three and five, so yeah. it's still pretty little.
0: That's a really long um, flight. <laughs> yeah, <where laughs> to I deal with them. When I,
1: it, that and then I feel like when I go, I just really need to work. I yeah. really need to like actually sort out labels, packaging, like all, like. Last time we spent a long time with like the freight guy about shipping. Like, there's just all these details, and I think it would be a big distraction to have that potentially.
0: Um, totally. <laughs>
1: someday. I really want to take them Sunday and do more like you know vacay. Right,
0: right. That would be really good. Yeah, I imagine when you're there, it's like a hundred, it's like a hundred and ten percent work. Like it's not. Yes. there's like no and they free work time.
1: So late there, oh, they really? work till. So- Well, the spinners work till seven, which I'm like, that's crazy. They get there pretty late. They get there at like 10. But still, I will work with Monica, the woman who is like my partner there, will work till 10 p.m. And then they won't eat. That's what gets me. I'm like, I'm out.
0: And you go to bed feeling like all bloated. You can't eat that late. (laughs) I don't yeah. know. I don't know how – and they eat late in Europe too. And I'm just like, oh, how do you do yeah. it?
1: <laughs> in the beginning of the trip, it's like they like keep pushing food on me. And I'm like, sure, sure. And then I just – feel by the end, I'm like, I'm I'm done being polite. I only need one helping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so but funny. they are so sweet and it's fun. I stay at their house when I'm there. So I know her grandkids really well. And it's it's really fun to sort of be part of their family while I'm there. That's it's incredible. Cool. And they all speak English? Yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. Um, they do speak English. I wish I spoke Hindi. I wish that was something. I, I have like a couple
0: words. Yeah, maybe something to learn in your free time one day. <laughs> you know, maybe like... when I'm running. That's because I do feel like I could do one of those
1: apps that you just listen to. Yeah. And I find even when I just say a few words to the spinners, that can go a long way. And just yeah. uh, bridging some you know, cultural divides between us and making connections. That's awesome. It's really fun when we go, when I go, I I mean, it's, it's really fun for me. And I think it's really fun for them to feel like invigorated by it all sort of. For sure.
0: So I'm sure you come and you like motivate too, because it's like, you know, it really is, it's your baby that as a, as a business owner and as the head of your business, you have to sort of inspire people to like, want to be creating the best product for you
1: and it's it's fun, since I work by myself at home to also just be in touch with that this is actual real work for people. This is affecting people's lives. It's yeah. not just about my own thing and my own you know just little world in my office. It's about a right. lot of people here too. and I mean, there are there's a warehouse there's a lot of freelancers I work with and um different part time people, but um, over there, it's truly like these 13 ladies working nonstop. you yeah, really <laughs> don't amazing. make yarn for anybody else. So it's also a lot of pressure to keep them busy. That is a constant worry because they need a certain amount of yarn to spin each month to be, mm. um, you know, to Profitable. keep it all
0: going. Yeah.
1: So that's the hard part of it
0: yeah. too. Um, in this business, what do you find to be like the biggest sort of challenge, um, I mean, I feel like so now you you're you're pretty much in a really nice groove where you've got your fulfillment company, you have your spinners, you trust them, you know they're making a good product. Now that you're in this sort of stage of your business, what are you, um, you know, what are you finding to be your big challenges? Well, this probably
1: won't come as a huge surprise to people, but I would say inventory and cash flow mm-hmm. are the hardest and. It took me a long time um, to really get on top of my books and my numbers, which most smart people would be on top of from day one.
0: But I have a husband who's- I'm laughing because this is like my worst too. I'm I'm horrible at this. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Well, I have a husband who's a financial advisor and so he did it for me in the beginning and I sort of trusted him and what ended up happening was he was so busy with his own day job that he didn't really have the time to keep me abreast of what was going on. now I, of course, like I wasn't seeking out that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so I had one year where I lost a lot of money and it was like this come to Jesus moment. Cause I was like, I need to be in charge of this. This is not. So I really went back to, um, I taught myself like he, he taught me. And then I like basically took over QuickBooks allocating every single pattern Download, you know, transaction and managing it all myself, and yeah. that has been so important to me. And I make a point now never to fall behind. Knowing the financial health of the business is so important. So we we've, we've got that going. I actually, now have a bookkeeper, which is really nice. Oh, that's that, nice. Yeah, that's huge. It took me a it took me a, too long, I think, to delegate that. That was not the best use of my time. Probably after a while, like, um, but what's really hard in in the yarn business is that our busiest season is like fall um. through let's say february september through february and right now i'm ordering and paying for all that yarn when sales are pretty mm. low and the money's not coming in for a while and guessing on inventory i always guess too little like so that's so that's really a dance And it's tricky. And I think it's so hard when it's your baby and you don't have investors, it's just you on the line to not feel um, emotional, not get stressed when, you know, you have all these bills and things. So I think that's really the challenge. And the inventory part is so hard. Like right now I was looking yesterday, I have these two awesome patterns to release that I'm planning to kit and launch And I have no yarn. One of the yarns left. There's none left. And uh, it's expensive for me to air it in. So Mm -hmm. I tend to do that. I have a huge shipment arriving in a couple of weeks. So it's like that I just – I've like taken out textbooks on
0: inventory management from the library and I'm like – Girl, I I hear you. I can't do it. It's so hard. I know. Like I have all my inventory here in my house and it's still really hard. Really, really hard. Yeah. And the and managing like the flow of um, I don't know because like certain colorways are going to go faster than others, and then I always keep doing these air shipments to fill in where I'm missing, and I'm just losing so much money doing it that way. But it's like yes. people want it, and I don't, you know, I don't know. It's so hard.
1: It's hard. Yeah. At our last knit along, um, I host these knit alongs twice a year where we all knit the same thing at the same time, mm-hmm. and they're really like my biggest kind of events of the year and it's so much fun. And it's really what I pour like my heart and soul into in the business. And this past spring, we ran out of most colorways on the first day and the kids are available for a week. So I air shipped and I love this. The color I air shipped was mustard. Isn't that freaking amazing? That's what (laughs) people wanted.
0: (laughs) Well, no, that's what's, that's like my most popular color right now. Still, oh, I
1: love it. Yeah. Well, I've had a yarn trade show for like, for yard stores in June and I had a lot of people being like, oh yellow. I'm like,
0: I don't know. I feel like this is having a moment right now. Everybody's I mean still it's like uh it's for a full year it's been my my um bestseller.
1: Oh, I love it. Crazy, I love huh? it. <laughs> yeah. So I did air some in and that was pretty painful. But I did yeah. I want and I also want as many people that wanna join in to join in. And yeah. Join in. but yeah, that the inventory management is so tough. Um so I, I don't know. I'm doing this, like free business school through Goldman Sachs, starting in the fall. And I like my number one thing is like help me with these things because mm-hmm. I I probably should be ordering a lot more, but I'm terrified to order a lot more from a financial
0: standpoint. Mm-hmm. And because um, you have to pay for it when you order.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just like it's a lot. It's a uh, and it's just. I don't know. I think that's something I've gotten somewhat more comfortable with, but it's hard to not get, um, it's hard to
0: move past it for me. And (laughs) so so right now you're doing, you're doing, you're still wholesaling to yarn shops and doing retail.
1: Yeah. So in 2015, I kind of turned my website on. And Mm -hmm. so now I do both. And now my business is actually 70% retail. So that's been a, game changer for me. And it's really fun because um, when I was doing only Wholesale, I felt like I was catering to all these different types of shops. Like a shop in Atlanta is different from a shop in Berkeley versus Mm -hmm. New York City. And when I turned to my website and I saw, oh, people can, it was like, oh my God, I'll just do what I want to do yeah, and (laughs) make it Beautiful and focus on the pictures. And so it was this huge pivotal moment for me because now I just feel like I'm enjoying it so much more. Not that there's anything wrong with those stores. I still love all of those owners, but that work wasn't lighting me up in the same way as now I'm like, I'll just make crazy sweaters.
0: Yeah, (laughs) no, totally. Your yarns have so much personality and I feel like they're really, I guess because of like the bulk and the like variegated sort of nature of like the thickness. Some of them are like thicker than thin, thick and thin. Um, I, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to ask a question about inspiration and you and where it comes from you personally yes oh man
1: where would the inspiration come from well I'm always I'm probably like a lot like you and a lot of the listeners I'm always like tearing things from magazines screenshotting things like stealing images off the internet and collecting them and I do I used to do it all on Pinterest now I use photo albums on my phone oh yeah like yeah. Have the shared photo streams but I'm not sharing it really with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> me and I just like I basically make boards and with the yarns it's kind of interesting like this year I, I went to India in February and I had one yarn of line that used to be called gypsy garden and what I realized there is that I'd had that since 2010. That was the original Mm. yarn line. And so the inspiration behind that one, when I was there, I just was like, this yarn is awesome. The colors are just really outdated. And Mm. at that time I had new fiber colors. I had new, all these other new materials that I could work with. And so I combined them in a new way to add colors to the line and we're changing the name. And so that one was really kind of a mix of like going back to our roots and where it all started, but adding the mustard, like adding some really right. cool fresh colors that weren't what I was into in 2009 and 2010.
0: Right. Yeah. So, it's so funny. I was going to ask you, um, what is your current favorite color palette? Not just oh. in your yarns, but like in your head, like what yeah. are you, what's percolating in your head right now with colors?
1: Oh my God. That's such a hard question. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I tend to go I would say I I if I can send I'll send you some pictures but I tend to go really I like I think at heart I'm such a hippie that mm-hmm. I love I love mixing natural like with like this one I think is I'm really into right now. You can see. Like knit, and I'm into mustard and and the pink. corals. Yeah. Yeah. Which and I but I'm into like mixing it with a kind of a crunchy granola girly type feeling. Yeah. And then I think on the other side I have always loved bright, happy colors. I never wear black. I try to like I always put a black combo up in the knit along kits, but it's like that I will never knit that. That's <laughs> just uh, who I am, I get it. That people love it, and it's so sophisticated. And you're always going to look more cool and fancy than me, but like it's
0: not my thing. No, I love it. Your personality really comes through your yarns, which is like is which is such a cool thing. Also, how do you? Um, they have the best names: Wanderlust, Gypsy Garden.
1: Most of them in the beginning came out
0: of my head, but now I go
1: I go on like Mac. Makeup, and I'll like look for oh, their nice. eyeshadow
0: names, and I'll like, oh no, hold on. Shoot. Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. I lost you for a second. That was my Wi Fi connection. Okay. okay, Wait. so you go to oh, Mac. Okay. <laughs> sorry, that was my. Yes, so yeah.
1: I go to Mac and I like come up with, um, I'll just look through all their eyeshadow colors. See if there are any cool names. And then I'll go to, I don't know, like paint companies. They show them all there
0: um, recently. Also, I was just thinking nail I polishes. I was like getting my toast on the other day correct. and I was like, get the nail polished colors. I was like, oh, these are really good.
1: Yeah. It, I think for the yarn I was just telling you about, we were calling it Dreamland. All of the colors are named after Joni Mitchell songs. Oh, that's awesome. So they don't have anything to do with the actual color. Yeah. It's like, yeah. That, so that's going to probably be confusing for everyone, but – when you're naming
0: you're like 200th color it's hard to go yeah no but yours all have like a very um sort of um fan- fantasy sort of dreamscape feeling which I just completely love thank you so because much because I feel like wool in general kind of does that like when you feel a skein of wool and yours especially which are so squishy and full and beautiful and full of color I don't know it brings you to like another you. place you know <laughs> Thank you
1: um yeah i i don't know i think well really at the heart of the business and the why of why i do it all is is like basically freedom of self expression mm-hmm. i think that is so important to me i've had like a couple knitting projects that i feel have just in a way brought me back to myself where Throughout childhood, growing up, even working at Free People, I felt like some part of creativity got like stamped out, you know, like just yeah. society. I think that happened to me. And then even in the beginning of running my business, it was um, the financials and the inventory, all these things, trying to like that stressful year I told you about. And what I realized as I did those projects is that it just felt so good to express myself through the yarn and through the knitting mm-hmm. and I felt like myself again in a way which is just what I want to kind of inspire others to do with our yarns because mm-hmm. they are so unique and creative and mixing them in crazy ways and right. creating things that feel like themselves. So that's sort of like where, you know, why the yarn and why this crazy yarn <laughs> <laughs> and why I like to, do what I do. And, and really it's like in the knit alongs, I encourage people to get like really creative and add their own twist to the pattern and make it their own and customize
0: it, whatever it is. That's so awesome. I wonder if I have enough <laughs> knitting skills to do the knit along this year. <laughs> you
1: just need to know what a knit and purl. Okay. I guess I
0: can do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because there's a, a video online video class
0: oh, that awesome. goes along
1: with it. So it's private. You basically, you buy the kit and you get Pattern,
0: mm-hmm. you get
1: the notions you need for it, and then you get emailed a link to the online class. Oh,
0: how fun! When's so, the next yeah. one? October. October. So you're okay. serious, I'll email you. I'll make a no, note. I'll t- t- no, I'll just order it. Don- don't are. worry about it. I will totally order it. <laughs> um, what uh, oh, what was I gonna ask you? Okay, so you have your knit on coming up in October. Oh. What are you sort of spending most of your time on these days, like in terms of um, what's coming next with your business and where you'd like to see it?
1: Yeah, it's it's been a really busy summer. I th- a Summer, you think, would be chill because n- not many people are knitting. That's not true. No,
0: because but- <laughs> you got to prep for the next six months. Yeah. So I would say my
1: biggest priority is coming up with the next knit along designs. And I'm doing some, but I also work with a lot of pattern designers not just a small handful Mm -hmm. so we're all working pretty closely together and it's it's intense so when you release a sweater out into the world someone writes the pattern then you get it tech edited by Mm -hmm. a tech editor who checks it for mistakes then they grade it for all the sizes and then you have to test knit all of those sizes with the yarn to make sure the yarn usage is correct. So we're doing that for all of these.
0: And it's a lot. And when you test knit, you have to find, if you're not going to do all the, do you do all the test knitting yourself? No, no. You find people who are of a particular measurement size and they do their size or how does that work?
1: So if you are, if you're a pattern designer like Andrea Mowry or, Um, someone like that, you can ask people to test for you. They Mm. get the yarn, they do their size, and they'll do it for free. Mm. And that's, I think, how it works traditionally. For me, because I want people to use my yarn, it's expensive. And I. so what I do is I actually say Here's the yarn. Here's the size I want you to knit. And um, they don't keep the samples, so we keep them, and then I compensate them mm-hmm. in yarn mm-hmm. or um, some people. If it's like super urgent, I'll pay them too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little different the way that we do it. But I really need it knit in our yarns.
0: Yeah, of course, so, of course. It's, well, because yours are so specific that you, yeah, there's. I can't imagine that I'm you can sub anything kid. else.
1: Yeah, if I'm selling a kit, I need to be 100% sure yeah. that um, the yarn usage works out. And For I've had sure. problems with that in the past. So um, that's one of the things I'm working on. The other really cool thing is that I just hired a new full time person whose name is Vanessa. So we're getting her up to speed. My sister works with me, but she's due with a baby in a couple Aww. weeks. So Vanessa's going to be taking over. So we've been working with her, training her, and then. The other big thing I'm working on is accessories for anthropology and free people. So I still have Oh, so you're
0: still working there. with them. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. So that's good. But it is a lot of work. A lot of
0: work. Right. Wait, no. I, obviously, you're not creating all the pieces. So are you, you're designing all the pieces and then you'll send for them to, to then produce? No,
1: actually, I am designing them all okay. or the other – designers that I mentioned before have designed pants whatever um whatever it might be and then we are actually knitting them in India so okay. the women that okay. are spinning are also knitting they can they're amazing and they like crochet wow. all the flowers you see in the yarn like even like this trim over here I don't know if you can see that like it's that's so beautiful yeah. it's like crocheted and they um then they spin it so um so they will do all of that, That's... and it's not big quantities. It's it's small because they're all really expensive. So right, but it, it takes a lot. No matter what size of the quantity is, it takes a lot to um, approve the fit. Um, there's a lot with how it's labeled. Yeah, where the labels go, how it's packaged. Um, how to ship to their DC. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of details. So Vanessa's right. help sort
0: that all out. But well, and even I, not a lot of quantity on this big corporate level is probably a lot of quantity.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's it's the kind of thing where I don't know I know it's good for my brand. It's not something I'm ever gonna say no to, but it's a s it's a ton of work and it's not making a ton. So yeah. it's like I don't know if at some point I think it's always gonna be worth it. I think it's it's good visibility, but it's it's a ton of work and it's mm-hmm. truly a second business. Like yeah. it's totally different than the yarn business. Right. And I haven't done the accessories for them in a while and it's been really nice to just focus on the yarn and I feel really torn right now. Yeah. Whereas the yarn is like the, you know, bread and butter of the whole business. Right. So
0: plus it takes away time from the ladies in India to be spinning. Yeah. Because it's
1: a lot. Yeah, it's it's a, lot. a it's a it's a lot to manage. <laughs> I might plan a trip that their samples are all like going to be knit in September. And so I might just go and be like, are these looking okay?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh what kind of accessories?
1: It's a few hats okay. um for anthro. It's some hats um that we've already released. So people will be able to knit their own if awesome. they want. And then Then it is for free people. They just told me they want to do a sweater, which is really exciting, but we haven't actually finalized any of these details. And then I think it's two hats, two or three hats and a huge shawl and a fingerless glove. I think that's it. It's like five or six things. It's a lot. It's, you know, it was so fun. I went to their office and I hadn't been back in years, a couple weeks ago. And it was really fun. I miss working there in so many ways. It it just truly feels like a manpower thing. Like I just yeah. need like one more person. Yeah. And it would actually be so much fun to go and collaborate with them on their designs. And since we're making it all from scratch, like we don't have big minimums. Like we we right. were set up to do cool tiny artisan special things, which right. can make free people, I think, so much better when they have those special unique of things. Of course, anyway. definitely,
0: I agree. So, and I've had like I've had a couple pieces of clothing from them that I feel like were in that same vein, like where they were like small, um you know pretty yeah small runs exactly, and they feel really special and like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah it's so.
1: a really special place, and Mary's, I bet it was one of Mary's because she's probably like, up <laughs> is unbelievable. I always get it. Um, yeah, it's a really, really special place, so oh, awesome. we'll see i. I don't know. I'm I'm like could I could I just get one more person to help me I with know. this? I think it, that business would be there if I pushed it and I just haven't. Right. I mean it is it is there but not as I just have been really not on top of it. Like
0: <laughs> No, I know. And I know. I know like it's like you know <laughs> in your mind what you need to grow is to be able to train and trust another person in this er- specific area, but it's like making the leap is a hard. It's a really hard thing to get over. Yeah. <sighs> girl
1: yeah, it's kind of
0: like one thing at a time yeah like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um we've been talking for an hour but i do not want to get off of the podcast i hope you have some time to talk yeah, about up. your podcast um oh, collage so fine. creative
1: so fine. thank <laughs> you and i just had you on yes. as a guest so which was so just-
0: much fun for me you guys oh so i i have had some people ask me like when are you going to be interviewed right so this is i'm Pretty much, probably this is the one time um, yes, I'll give like the full origin story. So go on to Collage Creative. This um, it's episode one hundred and three. Um, yeah, but yeah. Yes, so yes, yes, Amy has her po- own podcast called Collage Creative, and tell me a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, so I guess it's a little different than yours in that I am really interested in like kind of how creative small business owners and fiber artists like actually live like in a dorky way, I'm, I'm interested in their story for sure, but like where the confidence, like where they got kind of the confidence or like the balls to be like, yes, I'm doing this. <laughs> like where that came from. Um, we talk about failure and, um, how you move past failure? I think that's really important in mm-hmm. small business. And then I ask them about their morning routines. I'm a real, like, I, I really love morning routines and geeking out about stuff like that. Um, I'm a very early riser, so like I'm just I'm interested to hear about how other people do. And a lot of people actually have come back and said, "Oh, I'm a nighttime person." So that's also really interesting too. Yeah. Um. And yeah, and we we get into what they're most excited about in their business and what they listen to and they're creating. Um, and it's been fun. It's not just fiber artists. So I, I do tend to have mostly, um, pattern designers, yarn people, um, weavers, macrame. Um, but I have had some florists on, which has been really fun. Like oh, cool. They have their own flower farms. Um, I've had some fine art, Fine painting, like artists on the show. So there have been just like just a lot of creative, random people that have crossed my path in
0: in life. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's so
1: cool. Um, How did you? When did you start your podcast? So it wasn't. Oh my gosh! So I'm on episode 103. That means it was like two years ago.
0: Because yeah, yeah. And you launch? Do you have a very regular launching schedule?
1: Yes, it's it's once a week on Thursdays. Okay. Um but I will say around the times of the knit along, it's every two weeks because yeah. I just I put everything into that
0: community and making sure everyone's knitting is going well. Um, that, Congratulations, that- by the way. You just had you just had a hundred uh, episodes. I mean, like that's thank amazing.
1: Thank <laughs> you. It's it's one of the things though that I probably spend the least amount of time on. I wonder mm. if you would say this. I love doing it. It's so much fun. I think, you know, one of the things I love doing the most about it is that on social media, I mean, I get to meet and learn from these people, but then also I have something to share yeah. It's not about me. Yeah. I get to share other cool people because after a while you're like, oh, my yarn, my patterns, my, like, it's just so refreshing to be. But look at this other awesome people, totally. which you do so well on your Instagram is shining a light on so many oh, people. Thank amazing. I mean,
0: that's actually, that's, I think you hit the nail on the head. I was getting so sick of like me. Yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, how am I, like, I don't know. It starts to feel so like, um, self, um. I always forget this word, like a self-congratulatory in this weird way. And of course, social media should be your – it's your account. You should – it's your – it's your portfolio. You have to do it. But, um, you know, when – yes, I found that the way that I formatted my Instagram now um, strategically or whatever is just – it's been so nice to be able to highlight other people.
1: love it. (laughs) Like, take me out of the equation. Yeah. and And I think – kind of at the heart of all the, these people that I'm interviewing is that they're living these really unconventional off the beaten path lives. And that fascinates me too, yeah. is how they're forming their days, how they're living, like how they're creating income and supporting themselves and their families in some way that's not a nine to five. Totally. Um, I just find so inspiring. So that's sort of just shining a light on whatever, you know, whatever they're doing day to day and how they've created. I think it takes a lot of courage to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It is freaking hard. <laughs> totally. But then once you start doing it, you can't go back,
0: right? So- <laughs> no, you. I don't know, guys. If I ever have to go back to like I know. working for someone else and commuting and doing all that again, I don't know what I'll do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. I'm going to be one of those people that just keeps playing the lottery or something in the hopes that... Uh. <laughs>
1: I'm like, I just have to evolve it somehow. Yeah. I will just be thinking of the next thing potentially.
0: Yeah. No, I know. Um, okay. I, I don't know. I feel like I have so much to ask you, but we've been on for a while. Okay. Okay. A couple more. Um, I, what? I'm fine. You're good? Okay, cool. Because yeah. I tend to go over. I hope people don't mind. Mine I don't know. Good. Um, what's the best business advice you've ever received? Oh,
1: well, this is one I mentioned too someone else on the podcast recently, but I don't think it it might've been you, but I'm not sure it might've been you in the other episode. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the biggest things that's had an impact on me is the idea of working on your business, not in it. I think I mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, the book is the e-myth and it's like a, it's very intuitive, but I think a lot of small business owners that don't have big investors tend to get down in the minutia shop. all the things I just told you, by the mm-hmm. way, I'm still dealing with this. I have not like figured this out, but it's just the idea of carving time to work on your business. Where are you going? What are the biggest priorities and, um, delegate as much as you can of the technical work of the business. Right. So whatever that might be. Um, but that's been really powerful. And I have a business coach that has helped me with that a lot too, but it's, it feels very ongoing, like because then there's just always more work that could be. (laughs) Right, right.
0: I mean, which is good, which is good in a way, because then you can see so much potential for growth. If there's more work, there's more weeds to grow, right? And you haven't just stopped and come to some standstill where where everything is stagnant.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think if there's one other thing, it's sort of what got me here will get me there. It feels Mm -hmm. like I I always need to be making time to learn new things and research, you know, how to improve, how to get better. And I think that's one of the things in the past couple of years, it's been really important to me, not even like what's the best inventory system and all that kind of stuff, even just from a personal level, like mm-hmm. how to become a better version of myself, because I think that um, impacts the business too. So sure. I don't, all of that I think goes into it.
0: Yeah. Um a business coach. That's very interesting. Yeah. How how did you decide that it was time or that you needed one?
1: Well, it was around the time of that year that I like lost the money and I felt really overwhelmed. I just didn't know what to do. I had read the E-Myth. I went on their website and I was like, Oh my God, they have coaches and there's a free call. So <laughs> I was like, Okay. And um that is how I got my coach and I love it. For, I think, five
0: years. Um, I love that you actually called, you know, because I think that's like, no, I feel like that's like one of the hardest things to do. It's like, you know what you need in a way. Maybe you are just desperate, but,
1: <laughs> but you did it. You made the, the call. One, she's the one who told me to turn my website on. And at that time in 2015, I think I was terrified because yarn companies don't sell their own yarn online. Mm-hmm. Yarn stores are really against that. So you see oh. that in fashion that happens all the time. Free people sells on their own site and they sell to Bloomingdale's right. or whoever, but that doesn't happen a ton in the yarn world more now, but back then, like not at all. And so I was terrified that I'd kill my business. Oh, I and, see. Uh, and if I hadn't done it, what she had said, like she pushed me to do that. And it, and I don't think I'd be in business if she hadn't pushed me to do that. Right. Um, but the other thing that's really nice is that the only other person I really had to talk to about my business was my husband. Mm-hmm. And some days after a long day getting the kids down, work, I don't even want to talk about work anymore. Yeah. So to have a call every two weeks where I just get to be like, what do you think about this? What's your opinion? And I don't do everything, but to really just have one other person who knows the ins and outs that I can confide in and get their advice has been really important. That's a I'm big yeah. fan
0: yeah and even in a way, like they function as sort of a mentor, which is amazing yeah. to have someone who can just bounce things off of and kind of lead you and show you the right direction. That's amazing,
1: yeah, it's been
0: really helpful
1: yeah um I'd recommend highly for anyone
0: thinking about I'm it. I'm pretty sure I'm getting off of this call and going on to the emet website <laughs>
1: I, would, I would recommend Amanda. Okay. Good, good.
0: (laughs) Writing it down.
1: (laughs) I should know her last name by heart, but...
0: I know. Sometimes we blank on those things when we're being recorded.
1: (laughs) Amanda Sutt is her name. I just remembered. I looked at my book. Awesome.
0: She's awesome. Yeah. Wow, that's so great. Um, God, this is such an extremely helpful interview. I think people are really going to love hearing it. and Also, just realizing that that you don't just... um, That, like, it doesn't all necessarily come naturally and easily, that there is some serious freaking work behind creating something this big and successful and where you have so many areas of growth opportunity. And it's, I mean, it's like, it's weird because, like, you know, we always see our, basically all we see are, like, your Instagram and your beautiful website and kind of that a lot of us that's all we think there is and that we don't know what goes behind all of this work and it's not easy a hundred percent yeah yeah
1: yeah I a like, lot of
0: work and I, it feels
1: like do you feel this way in small business where you maybe get to one level and then you're like oh <laughs> like like I was just telling you with all this free people stuff like I I'm like, I have this amazing person, Vanessa, start. And suddenly I feel like I need another person. Yeah. Like It just feels like it, it's never like you've arrived. And even in the business, I feel like you figure out one thing that's working for sales. And that's not necessarily something you can rest for on forever. You right. have to keep evolving and trying new things. What's the next thing going to be? Um totally. so it's just a constant evolution because constant
0: work. A constant evolution. And then you have to be constantly hungry. And I think that's where I'm sort of struggling because I'm in a very like sort of comfortable, like I'm not really growing that much. I'm sort of just saying the same and kind of enjoying the chillness of that. Yeah. But that's what I mean. So like, but then I'm like, oh, but there could be so much more and mm-hmm. then could be so much bigger. And like there's this, there's this um ambition, like, the ambition is sort of there but i'm not i almost feel like i don't know if i'm hungry enough you know have you heard that there's a, this parable about a guy who like a fisherman and you know he just all he wants to do is just like have a boat and have and be able to fish for his family and then someone comes along and says oh my gosh you know what we could actually we could have it so you're catching 10 times more the amount of fish and da da, da, da. we just have to get this many more boats and this many more fishermen to work for you and then like he basically gets burned down and is like goes back down, downsizes back down to his one vote and is and is like and is that's the way he's happy, you know. Yeah. So I'm like trying to f- figure out this. Like, I think where's there's the balance? so
1: much to be said for that, yeah. and especially when you have kids, like yes, <laughs> like and also just maybe maybe it's just a season right now where because like I know it sounds like I'm doing a gazillion things, but I I am working like two half days during the summer and the rest I have seven hours of help a day, which is like a lot less than probably a normal working person, right? right like right. people that have to go into an office. So, it, but I try just not to like beat myself too much up about it because it's summer and there's still so little and yeah. it's just kind of like, it is what it is right now. So try and just enjoy that not everything is going to get done and it might not be growing as fast as I wish it was growing. But the fact that it allows me this flexibility mm-hmm. and that's worth it too, in a way. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. It does feel like, um, I don't know, my sister, I wonder if like the generation behind us, she's seven years younger. She's like so much more chill. She takes everything slowly. I don't know. Maybe that's just her personality. Whereas I tend to be like, "Ah," like keep going, pushing all these things. And she's just like so happy with like where she and I just wish I could be a little bit more like that some days. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, I know what you it's mean. Good. Well, it's I feel good. like there's there's a lot of pressure though now too, because you know, like it is uh, it's um it's a function of the times that you were able to turn your website on in twenty fifteen, have a um a very like a thriving retail business because this wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. It probably wouldn't have happened in, like, 2005, right? Like, yeah. it had to be in this specific set of time where things are easy. Like, it's easy to build a website now. It's oh, yeah. easier to do com- e-commerce. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, we didn't have these options. So now there's so many more options that there's pressure. I feel like there's more pressure to to find a way to really make things grow and succeed because we have yeah. these tools and we don't – I like, I feel like I don't want to squander them and I want to utilize everything that's out there, but then there's, like – so many different ways to utilize what's out there every platform like do you decide uh put everything on youtube put everything on instagram like you have to you sort of have to in a lot in a lot of ways you sort of have to choose your channel like i yes. don't know. it's a lot it's a lot so yes. we all I have to kind of figure agree. yeah we all kind of have to figure that out and
1: prioritizing um, is so hard mm-hmm. in small business I remember when I worked at Free People, I'd have my to do list and I'd finish it, and that's never happened for me. Like, oh one no, day and-
0: oh no, now, now, <laughs> never. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. So, is there now that you've you've been in business about ten ten years? Then, is there anything that you've sort of, you know, this doesn't even have to be about business. This can be personal too. Is there anything you've changed your mind about in this phase in life that you used to think very differently about? Either about yourself or
1: um Yeah. You know, I think probably the biggest thing is I I let shit go. I really let shit go. And I did not used to do that. And um this is more in relation to like my own failures and my own mistakes in mm-hmm. my own business. I would really beat myself up and I would get so down And I have shifted that, like really on purpose, shifted that to be, you know, how is this obstacle or problem or big F up I did? Like, how can I learn from that? And how can I somehow see a silver lining in here to make my business better? Mm -hmm. Um, I did not... Do that, I would just freak out. I would become paralyzed
0: about what like, you about mistakes you've made for your own business.
1: Yeah, I think oh, I would just become paralyzed. I would oh. just beat myself up and replay them in my head a thousand times. And I'm not saying I, I don't have my moments where I scream and I cry and you know I'll do that. But I I'm much better about it. and even things like oh I didn't get invited to that party. Oh, that person's Instagram is prettier than mine. Right, have, right. or, like, I just feel like
0: I'm much better. Maybe it's just age. Age, you know? girl. I don't Are I'm you 48? Oh, yeah. yeah. See, Thank this you. is what happens when you become on the cusp of 40, things just matter less. Or, like, you have more perspective, like, I guess. Like, it's amazing. Right? Yes. <laughs> I just turned 40 and I'm so much fucking happier than I used to be. Like, 10 years ago, I was a wreck. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh,
1: you don't look 40 at all. Yeah, but I think that's probably been a big thing I've changed my mind about, or just like mm. I don't know if it's something I've changed my mind about or that's evolved yeah. because of age or whatever, but I just feel like I can let things go yeah. and I can roll with the punches and. I don't know. If things don't go my way, it's fine. And I think actually, because I've changed to this way, things end up going my way more. So mm. That makes any weird reverse psychology because I care less about the outcome. I think
0: maybe I'm yeah. more just like, all right. I think so. there's absolutely something to that because, like, if you're, it's like in, it's an energy that if you're relaxed along the way, and then things just start. It's like a manifest. Like you manifest success in a weird way when you're when you're more relaxed about it.
1: Yeah. I definitely have work to do. I could be totally of- bullshit. <laughs> so in maybe- and inventory stuff. I could get a lot more relaxed around that, <laughs> I'm definitely not as relaxed um, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, okay, we don't have that yarn. We're not gonna post right. that pattern yet, and we will figure yeah, right. out what to exactly do you can, can
0: always be- you can always figure it out it's that's the thing like it's funny that you say that you beat yourself up more with your own business, I was the opposite. Like when I worked for someone else, I was constantly stressed and felt like I was failing at all of it. And then w- when it came to my own, I was like, oh, screw that up. Oh, well, like I, it's fine. I'll fix it. Like it's fine, you know? That's,
1: I love that though. Yeah. I think I probably did it in both si- situations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love that. That That's a good
0: sign that you're where you're supposed to be, right? <laughs> I think so. And just – um. Yeah, I think it's just with all the experience you 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 see now that like even the worst case scenario isn't that bad. Yes, you know yes. what I mean. Like it's still something that you can fix. Yeah, yeah.
1: And you still like I still think. I'm still the luckiest human being. I can go run. I can do yoga. I have two kids. I have a house. Like it's like I have water. Yeah. I have peanut butter. (laughs) I'm okay. And I think just keeping that kind of in perspective, I have this one yoga teacher I love that she drills that into you. Like every single class is like, you won the human lottery, you know. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm here doing yoga.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love it
1: in perspective because you think okay well, if I lose this business you know that's okay I still have my friends even this community on Instagram like that I've met so many cool people I've never actually met in, in real life I feel like because we're actually speaking and I see you it's real life yeah <laughs> like it's you know that's those things don't go away yeah
0: it, it, if the physical stuff all does totally, so actually I was going to ask you, what do you like to do? What is your favorite way to spend your time that has nothing to do with fiber? I'm guessing running yeah. and
1: yoga. I I really love that. I I usually do a long run on the Saturday,
0: like mm-hmm.
1: eight or so miles, and then um, on Sunday, yoga is like taking over my life. I, I love really yoga.
0: I'm really I was interested. gonna I was gonna answer that as my my thing that I have to do, but I. Um, like on your podcast <laughs> but I realized I don't get to do it every day so then I didn't answer that but what kind of yoga are you doing I do
1: hot flow and it's Baptist.
0: Same, Baptist. similar well I do hot vinyasa so
1: yeah yeah same, same. I I really like it yeah. and so it's detoxifying so I d- I've been doing that I, it took me a while to find a studio in my new mm-hmm. town we live in but now i I found it awesome on an awesome one and I go like tw- two or three times a week. That's the best. Yeah. So I do that. I think, um, you know, I'm always knitting and knitting. It's funny. Cause when I started the business, I wasn't an avid knitter. I was really a spinner and it's turned into, I'm lucky that like, I love knitting so much too. So I usually will like knit a lot. And then, um, I don't know, like, I I feel like we I have a great group of friends and we have playdates and we make margaritas and we have like guacamole and that's I'm like best. I don't even need anything else in
0: life like yeah. that is to
1: me like the ultimate Friday night kids are playing you didn't have to get a sitter
0: <laughs> it literally that's the best it's the best <laughs> so awesome it oh my gosh well this has been so enlightening I was gonna ask all these questions later but I think I've worked them all in like all the all the random. <laughs> All the random, like, fun questions. Um, here's one. And this will be the final question. Do you have any weird quirks or talents? Weird
1: quirks or talents? Um, well, I'll tell you this silly thing that I do on the dance floor. I do push-ups. What? <laughs> like at weddings? Yeah. <laughs> Are
0: you going to the club? All- You're going to the club doing push-ups? <laughs>
1: And then, like, go eat a piece of pizza and don't wash my hands. Awesome. <laughs> I only did that once in my bachelorette. <laughs> but push-ups are, like, my dance floor moves. That's hilarious. Um, last time, my best friend got married in, in, like, upstate New York, and she is married to a dock builder, and all of her husband's friends are in construction, and they're strong. So I <laughs> drop and start doing my push-ups, and the whole room dropped. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and they're doing one handed like PIG, oh I'm my like, god! Clown, I'm like I'm out, you guys.
0: <laughs> you started a whole thing though. That's amazing. <laughs> they, were,
1: they exceeded. I, I mean, I do like four. I do. I'm not. That's strong. No, but, but that's
0: like in the middle of the dance floor. That's pretty freaking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's something I do.
1: I don't know. I'm sure there are a lot of other quirky, weird things, but that's the thing that pops to mind. That's like your that's your drunken t- tick.
0: It's <laughs> so funny. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Amyla, thank you so much for sharing all this knowledge and sharing yourself on this podcast. I had such a good time getting to know you and I feel like I need, I'm going to actually listen to this one like over and over again (laughs) because so much inspiration on here. Yeah. Oh,
1: thank you so much for having me, Cindy. It was an honor to come on. Thank you. <laughs> thank so you. great.
0: All right, talk to you soon. Check the show notes of each episode to get the website and Instagram for each of the fiber artists I speak with. Be sure to give them a follow. And you can view video from this podcast on Naromastudio.com/ slash the Fiber Artist Podcast. If you enjoy the Fiber Artist Podcast, go to Apple Podcast to subscribe, rate and review. Thank you for listening.